And welcome to Giving a Hoot with Ryan, Liam, and Luke. I'm back, baby. <laughs> hey, hey, guys. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Glad to be back. I, I'm pretty sure there's video evidence to show that you are not a first-time caller. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like bullshit. But okay. so, <laughs> thanks, for having, thanks for having me on your program. <laughs> Uh, look, look, he went professional and uh, suddenly he's uh, thanking people for coming on. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what happened to the kid with the mullet, but. <laughs> oh, the haircut is good, though. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. It, it's called, it's like it's called getting City paid now. <laughs> it's about having money. Having money. That's what it is. What? <laughs> uh, you say who gives a hoot doesn't pay their pay their writers? They don't pay their interns. I'll say that much. All right. So last week we spoke with uh, Jack and Morgan with the front office. They gave us a lot of great behind the scenes teasers of content, but nothing about the exciting news that has come up uh, since then, because, you know, the people who run the social media and write the press releases apparently don't want to share news with everybody. Uh, they like their jobs, dude. That's hey, hey. I I can't blame them on liking their jobs, but come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> they knew they knew that you and I would not be able to hold that back. So, oh uh, yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so, arguably the biggest news is for the second time in club history, uh, Union Omaha has transferred a left back. For a league record fee, or league record, I, I don't think it was specified fee, but league record transfer. Um, Ryan Jiba has officially joined Minnesota United on a first team contract. Um, after, I believe after must contra uh, was it a lot of people were upset about the him getting drafted. So, um, I, I mean, the draft part makes no sense to me. That's it's all about getting rights, right? Like we've, well, we've drafted the ability to sign this guy from the team he's with is basically what they said. Well, mm -hmm. the the weird thing for me is the draft has always been uh, open to people who've played college in the past previous year, and he played no college, although I believe he was still enrolled at Salt Lake um, in 2022, but he never played a game with them in 2022. It's yeah. So I, I don't know if that would qualify him, but it definitely seems it, it sets an interesting precedent for uh, MLS USL relationships there. Um, I, I think I think what you can ask Gary too, or unless you guys know the answer, which I find fascinating is what kind of money are they getting? Like who cares about the dollar amount? But like, is it gam? Is it? Is it Tam? Is it straight cash? Like how how does the how does it transfer from the MLS to USL work? Is it just straight money, or is it like because it's all kind of confusing when you go? What version the two of Garber leads. bucks? I want yeah. Exactly. I want to be there when Luke asks Gary Green and uses the word Tam because Gary's gonna look at us like we like walked off the moon. Remember when yeah. we were on the bus with him going to the US Open match? And uh, and he we told him that uh, the lowest remaining team that wins gets a bonus, and he was like, "Wait, what? I get money <laughs> if we win this?" Like he was completely flabbergasted. So you say Tan, he's gonna have no idea what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> he's like, "We got money for that. We got money for that transfer. Awesome." <laughs> he's like, "Sweet, uh, all right." <laughs> well, I, I mean, first of all, huge congratulations to Ryan Jiba because. That is absolutely amazing. Guy uh, gets picked up out of a community college, plays one year for USL one team before making the jump to a first team contract with a uh, pretty good MLS side. Like they're yeah they're usually making the playoffs. They they have yet to be really a contender. Um, well, I guess they were two years ago, and they lost to Zlatan. Um, I'll give Minnesota a few things. One, they made the jump from USL. I think they're they did. They, group. 
they were they one of the last players. ones, right? Yeah, and they understand player development and why that's important. So it doesn't surprise me that Minnesota saw Ryan Jeeva play against them and was like, huh, we might want to keep an eye on this kid. Um, uh, <laughs> this is proof why a draft in a league, in a sport like soccer, where you don't, like, you kind of have developmental leagues essentially because USL is not in the same tier as MLS, that you don't need a draft. Mm-hmm. A draft makes sense for uh, for a system like the NFL. We don't have a minor league NFL system. The college game has essentially become that for them. So drafting players is, is a way for you to get young guys on the team. But in soccer, you don't need to do that. Minnesota well, I do, easily reached out. I do think that the draft kind of works for the new franchises. Like St. Louis, St. Louis getting a couple of players in the draft. That makes sense. But when you've got solidified teams like, I mean, LAFC, the Galaxy, like they don't need they don't need the draft. But maybe, you know, St. Louis or maybe even Minnesota, even though they're still fairly new, but they're kind of solidified. But like, you know, Charlotte doesn't need it or or things like that, for sure. Or or Charlotte does need it. Excuse me. Things like that. Well, it's worth noting, like with St. Louis, uh, they had a team in mm-hmm. uh, the MLS next last year. So they've already right. spent a year of development. St. Louis itself being a hotbed of soccer, soccer in the U S like there's, I mean, Gallagher there has churned out how many U S stars yeah. like so St. Many. Louis university. Like it, it's, it's nuts how much talent's in that Metro. The fact that they're reliant on the draft, when when you've got talent, you're paying millions of dollars, and you're telling you can't afford a scouting network. Yeah, I hear you. Like that, and Jiba definitely was scouted more because I mean he's picked up by Minnesota, who played and lost against him. Like Mm -hmm. there's, uh, for for Jiba's agency to get him into the draft knowing that he's had experience playing competing and beating mls sides was a huge move by his Mm -hmm. his agency uh well especially when you have a guy that had never played that position before coming to our team yeah i mean he he was a winger He, he he played he played offense primarily and never really played a defensive position so for him i mean luke you and i talked about even towards the end of the season, how much he was probably the most improved player on that team because he went from not knowing how to play that position very well and really being attacking minded to being one of the best players every single week on that team and tackling and doing all the things he's supposed to do. Well, something I constantly went back to um, during last season's talks, when we ever, we talked Jiba was the game Liam and I were at down in, um, in Kansas city at Swope park. And that was the first time we actually got to see Jiba on the field. And I think we both had the same, same reaction there of he's good. He's not good at this position yet, but he's good. And took me a couple of days. The, took me a couple of days. There's, there's some Modelo tall boys mixed in at <laughs> children's mercy park there. <laughs> uh, there there's a, but I did, uh, I did come to that conclusion. I did, I did figure that out. <laughs> Oh no no! I, I'm t- the Swope Park one. I, we we that was a Modelo. That was um, oh, that was Park. Boulevard. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're talking the preseason games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, because totally not he, drinking at those. <laughs> no, no. There's there's no alcohol allowed at Swope Park. Uh, <laughs> but it that was a great opportunity to see a player who it was instantly recognizable the raw talent there. And what he was going to bring to Jay Mims's team, uh, and Oop. how he was going to fill that void left by Damian Vieira, who had just transferred out for uh, Sacramento Republic, um, mm-hmm. and will be, I believe, will be starting his second season there. I haven't heard any any transfer news, um, but well, the the fun thing though, uh, Luke, that we saw during that little preseason thing is that you his athleticism like jumped off the page or the field yeah. like it was unbelievable and that is things like you can teach everything in in league one you can teach yeah. touch shooting ability 
you know, passing ability. That's kind of what the league's about. We want to get the fundamentals down and, and send you on your way up, up the ranks of professional soccer. So one thing that League One can't teach you, and that is sheer athleticism, pace, mm-hmm. strength. And he showed that all season long. And it only got better, like you guys touched upon. But that was that was that was that jumped off the page right from the get go that we watched. Yeah. Well, and, and just looking at his progression over the the course of the year, obviously the Open Cup run where he he shown uh, he was one of the best players for Union Omaha consistently throughout the season. Had very few times where he was not on the on the field, not making an impact. Um, but then postseason, obviously getting drafted getting signed he's gotten a call up to the south sudanese national team mm-hmm. like the kid is going somewhere and you know it was a pleasure to have him here uh but i'm excited to watch his uh career grow flourish and looking at what minnesota did contractually uh they gave him a one-year contract with three subsequent year uh options yeah mm-hmm. well so I think, too, Luke, we talked about this when Dami got sold, is a, a lot of a lot of the idea behind this league and behind this team would be find this young raw talent that doesn't get recognized very often, show what they have, and show them that we can develop them and sell them on to championship or MLS and do these things that we're doing now. Because all that means is other young guys are going to want to come and play here maybe win a championship, maybe make an open cup run, do some fun things for us, and then turn it into not having to worry about getting drafted or not have to worry about going to MLS next or do that stuff because you're playing a variety of competition in a variety of different places with actual hostile crowds and people there to watch. And you're with high-end coaches that are teaching you things. I know we're going to get to Dom here in a minute, but... Well, like, no, that's, uh, that, that's this is... Wait, wait, this, I got, I got actually... one last thing. Ryan, to add into that, <laughs> it even stems even further in, into, into soccer, and it goes from college soccer, too. If, if mm-hmm. a raw talent is seeing, like, hey, guys from Creighton and guys from UNO are going towards Union Omaha, and Union Omaha are sending guys to MLS, like, that's a crazy good pipeline that not many not many teams in this country have. 100%. And we're special to have that in Omaha. Oh, my goodness. Well, Excuse me. <laughs> He's so but, excited, folks. <laughs> it's all the milk. <laughs> uh, so, at, to segue to talking about the next bit of news, uh, new coach uh, Dominic Casciato. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, was talking this morning. Um, we're recording this on uh, Trademark Tuesday. Um, was uh, on the zone uh, just after his announcement as uh, head coach for Union Omaha, uh, coming from the assistant coach position at uh, El Paso Locomotive, which, um, you know, great team in the championship. But one of the questions posed was uh, what makes this league so attractive? And a lot of that was the picking up, I know, un- undiscovered talent from colleges, guys that need that year, like starter year of pro, uh, and then being able to transfer them on using this as a stepping stone. But at the same time, bringing in those guys who can't compete at the first year level uh, anymore, but want to play for a competitive team like Connor Doyle, Louis Gilles, uh, coming in and, and being veteran presence there, obviously strong competitors, still strong competitors, but not, not able to, to garner the, the salaries that you're getting at an MLS level anymore. So one of the, one of the questions, uh, what we'll get to our, our thoughts on, on the coach, um, considering there's not a huge amount there on the internet for him, but um, we, we put our, our ask for questions today up on Instagram. Um, so make sure you follow us on Instagram. If you're sometimes we'll ask for questions there. We might even ask on Facebook someday, but. Uh, no, we won't. <laughs> I, we have a Facebook. <laughs> it, it exists. It exists. <laughs> 
It's it's for parents. But the the question that that stood out to me the most, and I hinted to it a little bit when talking about Jeeva's transfer and Dami before that, is um, I believe he goes by Dom, so we're just going to call him Dom here. That's what Gary said in the press release. So if Gary said it, I'm going with it. All right. Uh, we're going to trust Gary Green. Um, but will will Dom be able to bring in another left back capable of garnering a League One record transfer? <laughs> and what's interesting to note is he was head scout for locomotive um he has a history of scouting uh multiple seasons with uh locomotive new york cosmos before that which is a very storied club that has been on hiatus for a number of years because they wanted to compete in nisa and um nisa may or may not exist after this year (laughs) who knows (laughs) yeah um but Bringing in, because one of the huge benefits for Jay was his connections within the collegiate community across the country, his time at RSL Academy as head of RSL Academy, where he really had a lot of uh, connections through that. Um, But Dom's bringing in championship level scouting, um, NISA level scouting. scouting. (laughs) Yep, uh, because he was with... uh, uh, was it Barca's Academy or I was in Denmark, wasn't he? Well, he was at, yeah, he was at Michelin, which yeah. uh, Michelin is one of the I'll, only reason I know they exist is because Ajax has poached from them so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and they're one of those random like European teams that make like Europa or Champions UCL. League. Yeah, yeah, like somehow and. And they may not get out of the group stage, but they always cause a ruckus during the group stage and maybe get like a draw or a win they're not supposed to because everybody takes them for granted. So, yeah, I mean, every time I'm on here at some point, I get to bring up football. Um, and I mean, American football. But that I love about uh, football and coaching staffs that we're doing here is I love when you bring guys that have a passion for scouting and recruiting guys. Because if he has that passion for that, especially in our league, because we know how much Jay had to do that himself, because he doesn't have a team of scouts he gets to send out there. He, he had to go do that stuff, and, and Dom's going to have to do the same thing. So if you already have a passion and a love for that, it's going to be so much easier for you to acclimate to our league and trying to find players already having that built into you. If you're coming in and have you never scouted or it's been a really long time or it's something that you're like, I don't ever want to do that again, you're going to have a really hard time adjusting to League One because you are the guy. And he's been a technical director. You know, I mean, he's had the same titles at different places that he's going to have here as part of being part of this organization. Plus, he has the added benefit of Peter. Um, yeah. You know, it, it does not shock me knowing Peter that he sat down with a soccer guy, very long, engaging conversations about recruiting young players, scouting young players, bringing them to Omaha, because that's what Peter's talked to us about many times. That's a goal of his, to be what Liam was talking about earlier, of being that pipeline and being something like that. So, yeah, I mean, to answer that question, though, Luke, yes, I think he could find the next left back that we sell on for a fee, and maybe – he goes, you know, they go somewhere else like Mexico or Europe instead of MLS. We'll just keep upping the ante. And I, I so, think the fun thing is, I don't want to be an ageist here, but to have a young guy come in and be <laughs> like, you assume he's hungry and like that he wants to win. And that's only good for the club because only fans, all they want to do is, is root for a winner. So to have someone with a pedigree of winning, like we've kind of talked about, but he's also never been, hasn't been that head coach. You know, he could prove to be, you know, really determined and and hungry to do well in this league. And I think that sh- that should excite a lot of people. So it, it's definitely uh, interesting, though, that this is the second hire in that age range. Um, 
Because Peter, I believe, when Peter was hired as GM of the club, um, obviously he'd never been GM of a professional club before, has taken that. This is now his third season uh, in that role. But at the time, I believe, was the youngest um, men's professional GM in the country. Uh, I don't think we're quite at the youngest professional men's professional coach in the country with with dom however putting it like it's his first head coach gig for a strong club and he's young he's younger than you isn't he ryan i'm i'm sure i mean i hope so i'm the old man on this <laughs> podcast tonight, so. but a month away he, from being 38 and i'm the old man on this podcast 38, you know, like a day over 29, Ryan. Oh, Liam. Uh, Liam can be on any time he wants. Yeah, yeah, have me back. Have me back. (laughs) So the the interesting thing, though, that we're losing with Jay moving on and bringing in a guy with no ties to Omaha is the recruitment strategy that has been there. Currently, of the people in the front office in more leadership positions, I think, I want to say Josh Sindelar is the only one who's now manager of client relations, the only one from the Omaha Metro. Um, You've got Jack, who's from the Metro, Morgan is from the Metro, but as you and I, Ryan, technically neither of us are from the Metro, and the only right. person from the Metro on, on this pod uh, is now living outside of it. Uh, <laughs> like, it, yeah. it's it, it's uh, not... Uh, it's a very attractive place once you're a certain age, um, but when you're you're younger, it's not necessarily quite the, the spot, so getting that draw in is going to be very difficult, and I'm interested to see whether we're willing to shell out more money to get players here or what we're offering to to really make it attractive to the talent we need to be able to compete. I think we you're kind of just things, we, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, we have three things going for us. We've never missed the playoffs. Good relationships with local universities. Between the the connection with Bellevue and turning that into a league-wide connection, um, the fact that we're playing our first two home games at at UNO uh, last year, we started uh, the Open Cup run at, at Morrison, and we played a couple games at Morrison. Um, so even even though we don't have the direct connection, maybe to Creighton and UNO, we did. Those relationships are still being built, and they're there. And I I think the other thing you really have going for you is we don't know necessarily the money that Jeeva brought in, but we know that, <coughs> sorry, we know that there is some level of money that came in, turn $1,000 for young players that are getting their first time contracts, even with a CBA in place, even with those things there, you can still give them that minimum. You can say, okay, you're a first time pro. Here's, here's what your salary is. We're going to bring you in. Here's what we've done in the past as a team. We brought another guy in that wants to develop, develop young talent. We think we're going to keep being able to do this. And I, th- I think those things are attractive to, to young players. If you know that you're competing for a championship on an annual basis, it's real easy to go someplace in the middle of the country you've never heard of before. Do you have more? Yeah, yeah, I mean – not really much to add to that, Ryan, but I just created a complete uh, observation that I've had, and uh, Luke kind of spurred it upon me. And it's really interesting to think that Omaha transplants or people not from Omaha are extremely into Union Omaha, and the people directly from Omaha, this is a big generalization, but aren't as into Union Omaha as some of the you know non-Omaha people are. But the people that are ride or die from Omaha or Nebraska love Nebraska football. Mm-hmm. And there's very rare that a, a non 
Nebraska person will come into Nebraska and love Nebraska football. Uh, it's just a weird correlation that just came to my mind. And that, that <laughs> I don't know if that's a problem. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's, that's, a, that's an interesting thing to, to think about. Uh, I guess when it comes to marketing and advertising for the team, I, I would say the number one thing, and you guys have probably seen this too, being lovers of the sport like soccer is when you talk to people that are not soccer people, they just don't get it. Right. Like, how, even during the World Cup, there were some matches where a few goals were scored. They were really good matches, and people are like, oh, yeah, but it was only 1-0. And you're like, yeah, but if you watched everything that was going on, it was amazing. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of that going on, too. Yeah, you know, if a football game ends 7-0, that, that's also 1-0. <laughs> it, it's a uh, – no, it's like a 1.1. <laughs> No, because uh, you, you got to count 1. the field 1. goal. <laughs> yeah. Count uh, the extra point when Brett Maher's kicking them for the Cowboys. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to touch on one of your point or a couple of your points there, Ryan. Uh, yes, coming to Union Omaha, which has been in uh, the playoffs every year it's been in existence with one coach who's no longer here. Uh, the partnerships with the universities, but if we're picking up college graduates, does that really matter as much? Like, it, it's Nebraska. And they picked it, some specific words in that press release though, Luke, um, that were I, very important. It, and it was, it was his, his statistics of becoming the offensive guru, I don't remember his exact words they used, but when he went to El Paso and they went from, what was it, 17th or whatever in the league to fifth in goals in one season. If anything's going to attract young, hungry players, it's the ability that they're going to go goal, score goals and they're going to win games. It, is El Paso the team with the Chupacabra as their mascot? What? I don't know. Well, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. If he goes from one team with a nightmare fuel mascot to another team with a nightmare fuel mascot, like it is a nightmare fuel mascot. It's called Amtrak. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I. Sorry, sorry. Locomotive just took a stray there. (laughs) Is that UP? Well. The the last player, um, or the only player I believe we brought in from El Paso to date was Sebas Contreras, who wore the armband for us in our opening um, opening season for more than half the season. Great player, nice guy, uh, and it like the way he spoke of El Paso said it was a great culture down there. So I I hope that kind of rubs off. Um, Dom coming up here, but I just really worry about the ability for somebody who's just moving to the Metro now, hasn't spent time here, being able to market this team and this community to, and we, we have three seasons under our belt um, of great fan support, but we play in a baseball stadium in the suburbs. Uh, You know, it's 3000 to maybe 4,000. I think the max we had was 5,000 for one of the playoff games. Right. Uh, tickets sold. Like it, it seems to me it's hard, hard to market a, as a, you know, 22, 23, 24 year old. Um, but, I mean, you can always toss it out to what seems like the players dating success in Omaha. Uh, but at, at the same time, like it, as a 22, 23 year old, and you know, you're looking at, okay, the season starts in March, preseason starts February. What's the average temperature in Omaha versus Greenville or Chattanooga? I love that you're giving 22 year olds credit that they would look up the average temperature in February in Omaha, Nebraska before they move there. Okay. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. 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 Here's my perspective. As a 24-year-old, I give my perspective here. This is what this is what we we look for when we move to a new city. 
uh, where are the bars? How cheap are the bars? And what's the average rent? Those are those are the three three things that it comes to when you move to a new city: rent, cheap beers, cool bars. Okay. I would also yeah. say, as a as a lifelong Nebraska resident who has followed a football team that has been piss poor for twenty years, but had a ton of success for a long time. Um, Everton. No, but that's you, buddy. I'm proud of you um, for sticking to your guns. Um, been a a knock on this state for my entire life when it comes to getting how do you get 18 and 19 year olds to come to Nebraska and play football how do you get honestly what it comes down to for young people is relationships with the person that's recruiting them and bringing them in if if he's able to at a tryout or going to meeting with these guys and sitting down with them and builds a quick relationship and says, this is what I see. And this is how I see you fitting into my system. And I think that you're going to be highly successful here. They're going to come because they trust the guy that's telling them that. And then they're going to come and bitch about our weather for two or three months because it's going to suck. And they're going to be like, why the hell did you bring me here? And then when they start winning games, they're going to go, Oh yeah, this is why you brought me here. And then it's going to hit July. And then they're going to start bitching about the weather because it sucks again. Uh. And, and Jay, honestly, I mean, had those connections to Omaha, um, but it's not like Jay came in and poached a bunch of UNO grads and Creighton grads and used all that stuff to his advantage. Jay used his network. you got to imagine Dom has some level of a network built up with his time in on the East Coast and in New York with his time at El Paso. Like He's built a network of some level to be able to know some guys and he scouted this country. So he's, he was able to get people to go to El Paso, Texas. Not that El Paso has the same weather, but it's not exactly the most exciting part of Texas to go move to either. He figured it out. It's fair. That's fair. Uh, and I think that, that leads into the next point. Ryan, that leads into the next point, though, or not the next, but the prior point we all had was if we can scout guys that no one is looking at, like Ryan Jeeba, and we build that trust with them, of course they're going to come no matter what because they saw Ryan do it, and he went to Minnesota United. And so it all transforms to that. Can can our new coaching staff build the right connections like Mims did? And if they can, our success is going to continue, and we're going to keep uh, going for, you know, cup titles or U.S. Open Cup runs and, and things like that. And it's it's so simple, yet it's so difficult all, all at the exact same time. So to follow that up with successful shot at a young coach that had his first chance at a head coaching job. You, you find ways to part ways with him and you go find the next guy. Like that's, if there's one thing that's consistent in soccer across this world, it's that if it doesn't work, you find the next manager and I, I want it to work. I'm not trying to, the guy hasn't even set. He's uh, according to some information we have still packing up in El Paso to drive his, happy butt to Nebraska, hopefully after uh, tomorrow and Thursday when we're supposed to get a bunch of snow. But if if it doesn't work out after a year and we don't end where we're supposed to or we miss out on the playoffs and they have concerns, they can make that move and they can find the next guy if they want to. So transitioning the the coaching talk. Dang, to... Ryan already wants him fired. <laughs> right. Baby, let's go. I'm a true Nebraska fan. Right. Sorry, I, I can only be pissed already, off. Man. I can only be pissed off at one coach uh, a year, and right now that's Alfred Schroeder with Ajax. So, uh, and hey, but, <laughs> <laughs> green. but that's evergreen. Transitioning to where we're at with the roster, um, with Ryan gone, we have no defenders. Apparently, when Dom was a player, he was a defender. So here's the question I have, because you know it's been one of my biggest gripes of this team since the beginning. Are we going to finally have some fucking depth at defense? No. We need the depth at defense. (laughs) I'm taking the under. (laughs) 
I don't know if you guys follow the NWSL, but my Kansas City current team is pulling off yeah. one of the funniest things ever, and they are just stacking their entire strikers in midfield. And I think they yeah. have like four defenders right now. Like, <laughs> I, 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 it's, I, it's like it's funny now, but we'll see what happens in July. But like, but like maybe Union Omaha pulls that tactic off. Let's just let's just get like fifty <laughs> dudes in that play forward. <laughs> well. I mean, it, it really is kind of that, that situation. I've been following the, the current on that a fair bit. And yeah, like their defense is bare bones. But right now, we don't even have the bones. Like, it's just, we're missing it. We've we've got Rashid in goal, and then we've got a midfield and forwards. <laughs> like, we, we need... Yeah, maybe they just think Rashid's just going to do it all. <laughs> <laughs> Rashid shouldn't have been so good for the first three years. It's a zero five. That's what we're running. <laughs> no, but growing like there, there's going to be some differences. I don't. He doesn't have a head coaching record to look back on. See what's uh, like whether he's going to play the same four four two that Jay never really broke from, or if we're going to see some more interesting styles. If there's going to be some trial and error to see see what goes, but having our our defense and Werner Park especially making it very difficult to to play on um having some depth there so when we're not forcing a midfielder to play center back or uh you know right back or left back where wherever exactly. the heck we have the injury like i i just love to see reasonable depth at defense for once in our our life like just just and, one year just give me one year and it could happen luke i mean like usl transfers as we all know rolling so slowly like like in a couple of days we might see an announcement of like oh union omaha signed 15 players and like eight <laughs> of them are defenders like do you remember our first year when together when that happened like like ever like the entire team got signed on the first, on one day like like of course J- that was, that was our, our inaugural year but... day. yeah yeah i was like signing it was like a bunch of high school kids signing to college but <laughs> i mean like but like going. i know we're we're all kind of bsing around here but like like it could happen one of these days we, we might have like in the next like month maybe like five defenders get signed in, in a day you probably want more but <laughs> it's uh, a start yeah, I, I i would i would like more but <laughs> Looking at where our players from last season are at, we haven't had a whole lot move on. Yeah. Um, besides Jiba, has anybody uh, actually announced? Not that I mean, I haven't seen. Now, granted, I will, uh, Liam. If uh, you don't find me on Facebook, it's because I deleted it. Um, and I also get rid of Twitter, so I'm not seeing things fly in as much, but <laughs> I mean, even guys like, like DK, like I haven't seen a lot of out of Dalton and where he's ended up. Um, Touche was like weirdly worded in the announcement of players coming back. And then it was like, oh, just kidding. We're going to edit this back. And so, I mean, I, I think that there's probably still some guys out there that probably wouldn't. I don't know that DK is coming back, but I'm sure there's guys out there that wouldn't mind getting a call back from us. And let's be real. Uh, I, you know, you guys like last week, Luke, you talked to, to those guys about Kroll uh, going to forward. I mean, <clears throat> some of these guys just bounce around to different teams anyway. And there may be a guy that should be starting that's sitting as the third choice center back somewhere or, you know, is out of contract and is looking for a move, but no one wanted to reach out because we didn't have a coach in place. Yeah. So we have those. I mean, I, there might be options. He also might know of some well, guys in he, championship that need playing time that he can bring down. Well, right. He, or, he Peter made, or Peter made the decision where it's like, hey, we want to sign you, but we're going to wait until we pick a coach first. And then, right, yeah. and then we'll let the coach also make the decision. So, like, maybe there's yeah. some of that going on, too. So – in the um, interview with the zone this morning, they, it was brought up by Dom that he has a number of players in mind. Um, some of them previous players for Union Omaha that still need to have conversations with. 
Um, I, I found it interesting. He did mention Connor Doyle by name. Um, whereas Connor Doyle has not been officially announced as a re-sign. I don't know where he's at, but that would be a great, great person to bring back. Um, you know, he's at a great spot in his career to be a really solidifying force, uh, for a new squad, some continuity in there, um, with Rashid, him, JP, like that, that's some great continuity in our roster that I, I think would, would really benefit any new players you bring in. Well, and Connor's one of those guys that if he brings back, um, knows Omaha already, you know, and, and is one of those guys that, you know, if you're worried about not having guys that understand Omaha, Connor's a great example of, he came back here for a reason when he had the opportunity. And we all know is essentially like a coach on the field. And if if you have a guy that eventually after he hangs it up, needs a shot at getting an assistant job and, and getting some coaching minutes under him, here's a guy ready-made that played for your club that played for you. Now you can bring him on as a coach and he can be a position coach or whatever, and then get him some experience and move him on too. So, I mean, there's, that's, I think that's the other thing with this league, right? Like, it's not just a player development league. It's also kind of a coach and referee. I mean, we see all of it. They're, they're developing all of these areas of the, of the game at some point, which is why it can be so frustrating for us when we watch refing or some decisions get made by coaches and games. And you're like, what the hell are they doing? And you forget he's going to make a decision. I guarantee you, Luke and I will be watching a game at Warner park and a decision gets made or a sub doesn't happen. And we're going to be like, what the, and we're going to have to remind ourselves that he's a guy that has done his first coaching job in his mid thirties. Like, well, uh, it, it did, did strike me. It was a, a fun question uh, from the guys over at the zone. Uh, what language would he speak to the refs? Uh, Italian. <laughs> and it, a good answer back was uh, whatever language they don't speak. <laughs> That's a great answer. Great answer. Uh, so Italian, Italian's but, actually but, a pretty good shot for him. Yeah, yeah. But important to note, uh, as you mentioned, uh, this being development not only for players but also refs, the USL severed their ties with pro referee. Um, so right now, it seems like it's going to be up to USSF to appoint refs for this rather than relying on pro refs, which is, is a bit of a crapshoot. I, I think it could be better for us, but ultimately it, it's going to, it's going to be very difficult to see until we actually are difficult to see what it's going to do, really see the impact of that until it's, actively being used uh, also of note r- as of right now there has been no formal announcement of the league being broadcast it mm. the assumption is it will be back on espn plus but until that is made what what steps is the league doing what steps are the teams having to do to put uh, a broadcast agreement out do i have to sign up for some bullshit streaming service that you know cost me 12 bucks a month uh like i follow or something like that was it yeah it wasn't the contract that was signed i thought it was for a month, like i thought it was for like five or six years with espn it was it was through the end of 2022 oh it was okay you, i thought it was longer than that you can only hope that maybe that this is maybe a good thing that maybe ESPN is exploring some more options of maybe showcasing USL championship or, you know, maybe the odd league one game because the MLS is gone now and on Apple TV. So maybe yeah. they're exploring Wait. that. Maybe this is a better situation than, than we think, but it is cause for concern if it's not all on ESPN plus or something like that. Is that a new tournament? The MLS is gone tournament. Right, wanting the MLS is back. 
it's no, just it's uh, just it's just the Vancouver Whitecaps versus like the Montreal Montreal like over and over again. <laughs> uh, so that that is a good point though with uh, ESPN. Um, yeah, losing MLS last year, there were a lot more championship games on ESPN Terrestrial, ESPN Two. Um, soccer as a whole is getting more broadcast time on the Disney channels. Um, you had uh, the uh, Spanish Super Cup, um, I believe, was just on ABC. Um, you know, you've got Bundesliga on ESPN Plus, La Liga, uh, EFL Championship, um, I Eredivisie, I think the Belgian League's still on there. Like, there, there's a lot of soccer there. Not yeah. having as many domestic options on would, I think, hurt them more. And maybe USL is leveraging that to try and get a more advantageous deal that is better for the clubs. Well, and in what better way in the dead of summer when uh, all those European leagues you just listed are not playing and you maybe don't have a baseball game to broadcast or you need something to be counter uh, programming for a baseball game or something, then to throw on a, a random USL League One or championship game because you're going to draw soccer eyes to your station or to your network in some way, shape, or form. And that that benefits you because the only other like legitimate option right now that isn't like HBO Max doing US women's national team games and stuff like that is maybe Paramount. But I don't know that Paramount cares enough about USL because they they have every uefa competition on there they have what do they have is it la liga nwsl nwsl i mean they, they have their own base already built up there that they may not worry about the second third tier in the u.s to right. go after so, it to even fight espn for right and here's the, the next best thing is that the mls has taken over wednesday saturday and sunday so uh, I know the schedules are all out, but maybe further down the line, like maybe the USL can take over like Fridays and Tuesdays and then boom, they have their own day and all on ESPN. Like that's best case scenario. But when you don't have the MLS on, you're not competing with MLS and then you got your own thing going, which would be really awesome to see. Yeah, especially when recruitment wise, hey, you are the only soccer in America on Friday nights. You want to come play for our club? That's that sounds pretty good to me. And on a more accessible so, network, because what was MLS Apple TV, but it's also yep. an additional fee on top of what you already pay for Apple TV Plus. Uh, at least for this year, and I think the following year they'll still be on uh, the Fox networks as well. But that's still, um, I mean, okay. that's still a selling point as ESPN of yeah. Look, a lot of people already have ESPN Plus. They have it for a lot of other reasons stay with us because your option might be eventually Apple TV and their MLS is charging people X amount more just to be able to watch their team and guarantee you watch their team. Well, something interesting, and I know we've gotten way off the, the coaching topic. We'll, we'll bring it back there. So a couple interesting things um, as far as contract wise, what that's going on. This uh, USL Super League, the the women's second division, was pushed back to a 2024 launch. Mm -hmm. So if that wasn't going to be included in contract negotiations with ESPN, I could see that being a cause for for delay. Um, but as far as putting increased broadcast capabilities for USL is interesting um, seeing the there's a bit of an exodus of good reporters that have been tied with teams. Um, I most notably for me is uh, Ali Trost, who is a sideline reporter with Sporting Kansas City, uh, mm -hmm. finding out that because of the Apple TV deal, they are no longer going to have sideline reporters, which is yep. 
weird to me because that's a pretty standard one across U.S. sports and international sports. She's fantastic uh, sideline reporter, but that opportunity being available to to poach some of that talent to bring to the USL to give it a little bit more legitimacy. Um, and as far as I know, Twelman's a uh, you know off in the wind somewhere. No, I'm not a huge Twelman a, fan, he's, but he's better. Than he's Lawless. an Apple TV. He's an Apple oh, TV. Yeah. He's yeah. Have, he's a part of the MLS crew. Okay. Because. And so, but, I mean, but here's like, we can peel the, we can, man, and we can talk about this all day. I love this <laughs> stuff. But uh, to peel the curtain back even further, like people like Alex Trost and like other, like, uh, rep- like sideline reporters or broadcasters like that, like, do you think their only job is, for example, Sporting KC? Like, that's their thing. That's not their only thing. That is the only no. thing that is famous for them. So for them to have three or four jobs going on at the same time covering you know, other local events within their city. That's very normal. So like maybe some of these, these, you know, uh, you know, play-by-play or sideline reporters can pick up some USL stuff and make it more legitimate. That would be awesome. And you'd think that maybe it's a step down and, and, and maybe it is pay wise, but they already are doing two or three other jobs at the same time. So it's it's kind of uh it, it can definitely work and actually probably bring a lot more legitimacy to uh, an already good a great product that we all enjoy but having like reputable people a part of it enhances it even further well and if you have a chance to bring those people in and you're on a network like espn and you sign a long-term deal there's also the ability because they're losing a lot of their shows and their people that are on their shows to these other networks now, do you start your own USL weekly show, right? That's on that's on ESPN Plus or whatever else. You bring an alley or somebody like that who's looking to make that jump from sideline reporter. No, to you, host. you've got that on Sirius XM with uh, Mike Watson, Devin Kerr, or <laughs> that's who fair. Does it? Who? <laughs> Elevate <laughs> us, baby. TV people, no, don't do it. Bad news. No, but you uh, have those opportunities. Some of the, some of even the national shows, like for the national team stuff that like Fox did and stuff, a lot of the women that became the hosts of those shows, they were doing that work before. They were sideline reporters, or they were, you know, they were doing stuff for for big events, and they got brought in, and then eventually someone saw that talent, and they put they promoted them to having that where they're a host, and you get somebody like Allie who knows about soccer, and you put some soccer players around her. You have your own little show there that no one else has for that level of soccer. And it elevates that brand that you've tied money to now. Well, there's a reason uh, a person like Katie Abdo has, like, you have her on the show and it is instantly legitimate. Yep. Like, you hear her voice and you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) It's like, yes, no, this is a soccer show. I am going to respect this. Or darts. I think she also does darts. But <laughs> um, we're talking about anything. To to transition a little bit to another another question, and this is a perennial one. It seems uh, you know we'll never get an answer. Uh, the legitimacy of the league and broadcast deal there will be important to draw talent in. Uh, it'll be important to grow, develop our, our coaches, uh, encourage careers of everybody involved in soccer, specifically to Omaha, getting out of Werner park will do the same. And, um, Omaha fans are not known for their patience. Um, like that, I think that's really safe to say. Uh, and Liam may have stronger thoughts as he's no longer here in Omaha to feel the wrath of people. <laughs> but uh, Gary is very receptive to fans. Um, you know, doesn't like letting people down, which is a a great thing to have in an owner, but also at the same time. Yeah, just let it go. Just let him let him stew. Uh, but he jumped in saying that 
a stadium announcement should be pending before the end of the year or should, is pending before the end of the year. And I believe it was end of the season in response mm-hmm. to, was that Morgan or was that? Um, yeah, it was Morgan. Yeah. Um, and not Morgan with the team. Um, but that level of legitimacy, um, I think for Omaha will make it even more attractive to players coming in. I'm wondering if that was one of the reasons to bring in a young coach, uh, or how you bring in a young coach to a, a Metro like Omaha, um, is we're a year away from breaking ground on a new stadium stick it out here, grow with this team. And here's an opportunity to really cement yourself in soccer culture in the Midwest. Um, It's not very often as a coach that you get to be the guy that gets to coach the very first game in the brand new stadium, right? Like, especially in a lot of the leagues that we follow because the stadiums have been around forever. Frank, Frank Lampard. (laughs) Who? No. Ben's not on here. You don't need to talk about him. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things like, yeah, if you're a young coach and knowing that there's a chance that you get to see the brand new stadium and be the first the first one to coach in that, now there's pressure. You also don't want to be the first guy to lose in your brand new stadium either. Um, so, so you want to go in the, and christen it with a win. But, yeah, I mean that that has to be an exciting and enticing thing. I I think it would be for me if I was a coach. Like, hey, here's this brand new shiny thing that you get to be the first one to do anything with. That's that's an amazing honor to be that guy. Also, it's Gary, so he says that today, and then six months from now he'll be like, oh no, it'll be well next year. We'll tell you next year. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my point here, Ryan. This is this stadium stuff is getting okay. This is me from an outside perspective seeing this. <laughs> heap of garbage on social media about this constantly okay these (laughs) union omaha fans and i will include myself because at one point i was like this as well on social media uh are asking way too much of a third division club uh via announcements and social media constantly uh there this league moves at such a snail pace because of you know, third division and things, contracts having slow and things like that. And people want their information out at now. Hey, start a WordPress, start becoming an insider journalist for this club, and then you can maybe get your information faster. But this needs to slow down. And when it comes to when you guys shake your heads now, but, but everyone needs to just slow down when it comes to this. And okay, point number two, when it comes to the stadium, good luck because it's going to make downtown Omaha awesome. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to make the city look so good. But there's about 95% of the population of Omaha that have never been to a Union Omaha game, and they are going to have a gripe with the stadium. Whether it's all privately funded or not, if there is going to be a stadium down there that they don't aren't going to go to, they will be fired up and hate every second of it. So Union uh, Omaha is gonna be like public enemy one uh, for like about a month or two until the next building, like maybe a public downtown public library gets created. But yeah, <laughs> look at uh, look at I, Ralston Arena. Ralston exactly, Arena. Oh, exactly. We're never right. the rights. Now it's like the some random credit union arena instead because they can't pay back the tip that they were given by the city. Like yeah, you're right, Liam. Somebody's gonna find. It was Ralston Arena. Why can't you use Baxter? Well, Baxter's owned by this, and so you can't do this. We're going to build right. our own. And, oh, well, we got CHI. What's wrong with CHI? You know, it's, it's yeah. And I come from this experience where I, I live in the River Market in Kansas City, and the new current stadium is getting built right next to my house. And it is going to be gorgeous. It's going to be great. It is 100% privately funded. The public has nothing to do with this money. And people are still upset that this stadium is is getting built. And which is utterly ridiculous, but I just, I'm just holding off that, you know, this isn't going to be all roses and sunshine for union Omaha fans when the stadium gets going uh, here, because people are going to be frustrated. Wait till there, the there's a term the stadium. There, there's a term for these people. NIMBYs. No. West, West Omaha. 
Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> uh, I, I think it, it's definitely, it needs to happen for this club to grow. Um, 100%. I, I, it is a lot to ask of an owner who's not been getting the attendance levels that are needed to break even. Um, the fact that he still seems committed, Gary and ownership still seem committed to bringing a stadium to Omaha, um, to not be Union Papillion, uh, to actually be Union Omaha. It, it's a huge, huge testament to the quality of ownership we do have. But it, as you said, this is third division U.S. soccer. The fact we have a soccer team, the fact we've had a good soccer team. Like, yeah, I want a stadium. I've probably been one of the loudest people for a stadium. Uh, maybe not quite as much on social media, but you know, I, I don't think uh Gary, Peter, Marty have ever had a conversation with me that I've not brought it up. Um you know, I, I sometimes just get it out of the way like, hi, how's it going? When's the stadium coming? And then move on to the rest <laughs> of the conversation. But it it really is it's the patience. You need the patience knowing that uh, and Not it doesn't ownership. just start with right now. Like when they yeah. unveil plans for this stadium, it's gonna take two two years to be built. Like yeah. it's just that I'm gonna be dropped in. Like mm-hmm. this current stadium right next to my house is gonna take two three years, and it's only it's ten thousand yeah. seats. So it's gonna take a a long a long time as well uh, for that for that for the stadium to even occur. We're like maybe yeah. like five years out right now. Yeah. Well, and and the key to this is. If you don't need to build a 10,000-seater right away, which is a bad idea anyway, build it, build it for half that capacity. So you want, you want 5,000 people always there, and that's your number, or 6,000 is your number. Build it for six with the ability to expand to 10 or 12 if you need to. But, but build it so it's – I mean, what do people love about Morrison? It's a small, intimate setting. Same thing with Coniglia. You know, it's a smaller, intimate setting. You can hear everything. It's louder. Build a stadium for that purpose. Build it for the the three to four thousand people that are already coming, so you can add another two. And when you consistently are selling out, and it's a hot ticket item, and you now know you can expand, expand it out to eight or ten, you know, and have more people come in. But to build to jump in and build a ten thousand seater out of the gates, it's going to be half full or a third full for the majority of the time, and it's going to look awful. But that's the one thing. The optics right now, Werner Park, conducive, but the optics right now on TV look horrible because there's huge gaps in the seats. And it's not anybody's fault except for the fact that where people were put and bought their seats. It's not anybody else's fault that goes there that there's empty seats around them. They, they can't help that. Yeah, it's. I think I texted you guys last summer a couple of times where I was like, 5,000 people are at this game right now. And I was watching on TV. I was like, there looks like there's 400 people and it's just like, that's, that's frustrating. And I hope when league one officials or, you know, the people that uh, aren't just judging union Omaha fans off of what they see on TV and they're experiencing what they actually see in real life. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know union Omaha is pretty good about giving accurate turnstile readings. So numbers reported are typically pretty close to accurate. Um, but I, I I think we're tiring ears enough, so I'm gonna turn it back to Dom. Um, the there there were at least three questions of what do you think of the new coach? So I'm just gonna you know thumbs up, thumbs down for the hiring. I'll say thumbs up. Yeah, that's three thumbs up. I I think I mean, it, there's a lot of potential. Um, yeah. You said it earlier, Luke. It, it's a it's a guy that has very little like there's very little out there. We we've known about this, you know, for a day. <laughs> and our our minuscule Google and I don't think that Luke and I are great at Googling on things anyway. But 
there, there's it's not like there's a ton out there about this guy. I mean, he's never been a head. Coach. He's got a LinkedIn. He's a, he's got LinkedIn. People go connect um, with him. And he he has a Twitter that is followed by one one person, uh, and it. follows no one. So, is the one follower a family member? That's the real question. No, it's um it's a newspaper in El Paso. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Who thought they were going to get some really nice tidbits from his Twitter and found out it was zilch? No, nothing. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's hard it's hard to judge it, but based off of what we know and what the team released, it seems like a good hire. Right, what are you going to do? Yeah. As long as we don't get relegated. <laughs> good news. We don't have to worry about that. Oh, God, I've been worried about that for about eight months. <laughs> He's letting his Everton fandom bleed over. Uh, all right. Um, a- anything else we, we should have touched on that we haven't? I, I do want to say I listened to last week's pod today because I'm very slow now at, re- at listening to things. But I thought last week's was uh, was awesome. I love to, to talk to people from the front office and get some perspective and um, it sounds like our the the marketing social media team has got a lot of fun things planned, so I'm excited to see what they they bring uh, from that aspect too. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely looking forward to the content that they're putting out, and you know, finally getting uh, regular staffing for for Union Omaha on that marketing um, and media front. Um, having a partnership with a group like Hummel, I, I think there's a lot of um, marketing sales opportunities that are more than just ticket sales uh, coming about that will really benefit the growth of this club. Absolutely. All right. One last question for y'all. Who gives a hoot? We do. We do.